Hello and welcome. Welcome to the Liberty Hour of Inform Life Radio brought to you by Informed Choice Washington. Thank you so much to the members of Informed Choice Washington who have been with us since, oh, I think we started 2015-16, became a nonprofit in 2017. And now, you know, Generous donations uh, from our members keep free speech on the air. And this Liberty Hour is really information that needs to be kept out there to the public. I, I tell you, AM radio, FM radio, talk radio is one of the last bastions of truly free speech where we're not feeling there might be pinches of censorship out there, but we're not for the most part feeling it. So we got to keep funding this because this is how a lot of the information is coming out. So if you're interested in joining Informed Choice Washington or um, helping us out to keep free speech on the air and marching to Olympia and doing initiatives and educating and all the great work Informed Choice Washington does, um, please go to informedchoicewa.org um, and do the check the join tab. And if you can give a little something, please do. That is so important. Um, we're just tiny little bits compared to the great big giants. But you know what? Uh, that David and Goliath, you know who won. And there's a whole lot of Davids in Washington State. So I'm I'm feeling positive about what, what's going to be done. So Bob Reynolds is in Washington State. And I'm so glad he's coming on to co-host this hour. Welcome, Bob. Hi, Bernadette. How are you? I'm very good. How are things doing in, in Washington today? Nice and slimy and a happy Friday. It's a, been a frantic week tracking everything in Olympia. So it should be a good show. Oh, awesome. And I want to thank you so much for bringing us Julie Barrett, who is our guest from the Conservative, Conservative Ladies of Washington. And I'm going to let you do the honor here of introducing this amazing woman. First of all, let's say, hey, Julie. Hey, Bernadette <laughs> and Bob. Nice yeah. to be here with you guys today. Thank you thank, for joining us. Thank you so much. Yeah, um, you have been uh, taking, I think, social media by storm, at least in our state, in terms of uh, communicating all the calls to action and getting us up to speed on what's happening in Olympia. So thank you very much. It looks like you started in about 2019, Conservative Ladies of Washington. And uh, we, we got a little extra active that year as well, but um, it looks like you... Uh, I'll, and we'll let you tell, talk about that. But you've been kicked out of neighborhood Facebook groups. Um, but you've also been struggling, I guess, uh, dealing with all of this as a, a, a wife, a mother of four. You were a single mom for a while. So you've faced some adversity there. You, it looks like you're a, a small business owner as well. You've got an amazing history. So we're happy to have you and, and speaking up for the conservative issues in our state. Well, thank you so much for inviting me to join you. I admire all the work that you all are doing and have been doing. And uh, I know we, our audiences, our group members probably co-mingle quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I appreciate it. And, you know, during legislative session in every state, because there's more than a thousand bills filed each session, it's so fabulous. There's, there's different 
groups that are really looking at it because one or two people can't do it all. There's too much. And so we really value the information you put out. It supplements what we're putting out and what other groups are doing. It really helps to get the message across. Um, so 2019, it's interesting that you got into this. That was an amazing, crazy year. We didn't know COVID was coming, but there was a lot of craziness that in hindsight, we could see they were laying the foundation for. So talk to us a little bit about what happened in 2019 to pull you into being active. Well, it's interesting because when I started, it was just going to be a Facebook group. I had a friend uh, who asked me, how do you meet conservative women friends in Washington state? And I met them primarily through my church. And so I said, you know, I'll just start this little Facebook group and we'll just invite conservative women and we can all be able to, to talk without getting kicked out. And um, I never had any intention of it being more than just a Facebook group. So it's kind of funny that I, I called it conservative ladies of Washington because that's kind of a profound name for just a little Facebook group. <laughs> um, and then it wasn't until um, actually March of 2021 that we formed the actual organization um, kind of uh, late in 2020, my husband said, gosh, you're spending a lot of time on this little Facebook group. Maybe you need to form a, an actual organization out of it. So um, that's what I did in uh, March 1st of 2020 is when we officially launched. And then March 17th of, um, sorry, March 1st of 2021 and then March 17th of that same year, uh, my, my daughter who was 14 years old at the time was um, at Seattle Children's Hospital uh, for a mental health crisis. And they sent her uh, without my consent to a youth homeless shelter in Seattle where she was for 10 days and she was um, held hostage and rescued by ten, uh, eight Seattle police officers. Uh, I'm, I'm just astounded by what you just said. Um, I'm s sort of vaguely remembering that might have been when we first got in touch with each other. I that, think it that was around story that time. Now. Yeah. Okay, I'm remembering Julie. Wow. Yeah. And wow. that was my baptism into Washington State's anti-parent laws. And um, you, you probably know uh, former Representative Brad Clippert. Um, mm -hmm. He reached out to me. And that began my, um, my getting involved in legislation. And it has since become the focus of the organization. Can that, you talk about that series of events a little more or sure. is it a little too painful? That's just amazing having that happen. Yeah, I, I actually testified on a bill uh, earlier this week. Uh, was it? I think it was Wednesday, House Bill 2016. Um, and I promise this relates to my story. Uh, the, the bill is to allow um, 16 and 17 year olds to contract for housing and utilities. Um, it's a Republican-sponsored bill in uh, response to the homeless youth crisis in Washington State, which if you guys, and I know you guys have been paying attention to the legislation of the last couple of years, the youth homeless crisis is, um, has been brought about in part by the legislation in Olympia. Um, so I, I testified um, against that because unfortunately our story does not have um, a happy ending, at least not as, as of yet. Um, my daughter is 17 and, and considered homeless in Washington state. 
Um, so that was a very difficult bill to testify on, but I felt my voice, um, I needed to use my voice and, and speak up um, in opposition to that bill. But once we got my daughter out of that youth shelter, uh, we took we got her out of the state because um, I had learned in those 10 days that I needed to get her out of Washington to be able to help her. She was in a mental health crisis, had childhood trauma. Um, and so she spent 19 months out of the state of Washington getting uh, mental health care. Um, and then when she came back, things went OK for a couple of months. Um, but she, you know, still suffers from some mental health and addiction issues. Uh, that got her kicked out of school and um, have just kind of snowballed into a series of crises. And uh, unfortunately, parents in Washington state uh, don't have the ability to um, help their kids. Uh, we are very capable and wanting to help her, uh, but because of the way Washington state laws work, we, we are unable to do that. Um, so we can't, you know, we can't take her from Washington into, you know, let's say Idaho where she could, you know, get, get some help and, you know, get her diploma and things like that. So, um, okay. instead she can live in a homeless shelter in Washington. I am so sorry. I will keep her and you in our prayers, you know, Thank moving you. forward. So, so many, it's just heartbreaking. I mean, I think you, you're talking about like a nightmare for any parent and, I, I just can't imagine um, what you're what you're going through, and so hopefully she will work through this, and and hopefully one day she will be able to testify on her experience and uh, for good bills that, you know, I I just know in my youth and even with my own son, sometimes we want somebody like a parent to force us to do what we know we need to do, but we just don't have the courage to do the right thing at that time. Right. And then for the state to, to not allow you to block you from being able to give that tough love that your child might need at this stage um, is so wrong. So, um, yeah. yeah, it has definitely been the the driving force in, in my activism. And it's why I'm so passionate about, mm -hmm. you know, speaking out on um, the issues that are important to, to all of us. Okay. Yep. One thing that we bring up quite often on our shows and on our interviews is the mature minor doctrine, mm -hmm. which isn't law, but it's kind of case law leading up to the ability for uh, almost emancipated minors that are not emancipated yet, but they can make a lot of decisions for themselves. Mm -hmm. Have you brushed up against that? And has that been basically invoked by certain healthcare providers or other people? Yes, in all of them. And, and it's funny. And I used this in my testimony the other day because I find it so ironic that my child can, the shelter will call me if my child is going to be taken to the hospital for a mental health crisis. And I can't ask questions. They can't tell me what they, all they can say is she's been taken to Mary Bridge. We can't give you any more information than that. But if, she, if they're going to take her on an outing to Walmart, they need my permission. <laughs> right? Like, make it make sense. Oh, good heavens. So, yeah, Julie, I'm going to want to talk to you. I mean, some one of the things that we're working on with Children's Health Defense, there's the initiative of uh, Reform Pharma. And another kind of a sub-arm of that we're calling Disarm Pharma. And so many of the kids that are being diagnosed with mental health issues, if they put them on a psychotropic, what happens is the mental health issue um, may have gone away. Um, but now what we're seeing is 
the effects of the psychotropic drug, but they're calling it the mental health. So, um, yeah, just a lot there. Um, so, sorry, I lost, I squirreled um, where I was going to go. So I, I, we'll have to have an offline conversation about the psychotropic drugs because okay. I'm very much with you on that. And my, my daughter that's in Washington, she has a twin sister who is now out of state. Um, they kind of have some similar mental health concerns, but she okay. is in a place where um, they have alternative methods to the, the drugs. Um, and it's actually been amazing for her. And it mm-hmm. has like, she has had so much healing and so much um, growth. Um, it's just been getting her off. A lot of that stuff has been amazing. Yeah. I'd love to hear those stories. Yeah. 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 Um, excellent. Yeah. We will definitely talk more and, um, and work on this. Thank you. So, so you were pulled in as a mama bear and, yeah. and you kept going. Yeah. Um, and then COVID hit, <laughs> right? So in the beginning you were, you got, you were, well, it kind of happened right when you got involved. So at what stage did you realize that you wanted to start really following a lot of the legislation and then reporting that to everybody, all legislation that was really taking away more parental rights, more medical freedom rights? Yeah. After I connected with Brad in the spring of 2021, and it was kind of at the tail end of the session. Uh, and he, when he realized that I had this Facebook group and, and this, you know, audience of conservative women, he said, Hey, you know, we need your help on some of these bills. And so he would talk to me about bills and what the action was that he needed people to take. And I would push it out. Um, I'm, I do social media marketing, um, as a profession or I did before I started doing conservative ladies. So, um, that was an easy thing for me to figure out how to communicate that. Um, and then in 2022, uh, I decided to Jim Walsh had encouraged, he had come and spoken at one of our events and he encouraged people to sign up to testify on things. And so I did, it was January of 2022 and it was on one of Jim's bills, uh, which is rare that they get a hearing, right? (laughs) So I testified on that bill. Um, it was a weekday morning and I was still in my PJs. I had just gotten the kids off the door, off to school. I didn't realize that I was going to be on camera. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but what was, um, it was a civics, you know, teaching civics to high, I think it was eight through 12th grade. Right. Right. I remember that. And there was a line, like a line out the door of people to testify in opposition. You had the teachers union and all the special interest groups and the activists. And I was the only person in support of his bill. And I couldn't believe it. I thought, where, where is everybody? Where yeah. are the people? Where's our side? Mm-hmm. And so I signed up to testify on another bill. I don't know, probably the next day or same week. And then the same thing. And I just saw nobody's here. Where are the people? And so I, that just was like the start of me getting involved. And then after that session, um, I decided to make that the focus of what our organization does, uh, because I felt like it was really a missing piece mm-hmm. and then our legislative action team for the 2023 session, which made us very effective. Um, and then, uh, so we have just carried that forward and, um, we have sort of our five areas of focus, which is First Amendment, Second Amendment, parental rights, education, and the right to life. Very good. 
Very good. I'm yeah, I would go say ahead. we cross over in terms of informed choice, Washington, we cross over very much in the parental rights area. Yes. Mm -hmm. And we and know, it, um, and, and Bob works, um, I think, pretty closely with Mary Long, who um, works on a lot of our medical and healthcare stuff. And so we watch a lot of the, we're very concerned about medical freedom, um, especially, you know, with COVID and, and, you know, I know you guys have been really on top of all the COVID stuff. And you know, with the mandating of the um, mRNA injections, that's something that, that we care deeply about. So we appreciate that you guys are kind of the leader in tracking all of the, the immunizations and that, and then we can just sort of tag along and, you know, on your coattails on those. Yeah, and it's one, so having all these other groups help carry the load in different areas is so important. And then we do have to stay informed with Washington because, you know, our uh, nonprofit within our mission statement. So there's some areas that a lot of us care about, but they're outside our mission statement and we have to stay. So it's wonderful that we know somebody else is carrying those, is, is really um, getting involved. And, um, you know, each of us um, involved with Informed Choice Washington we will take action as individuals based on what you're doing and somebody else is saying, you know, even as we run ours, it really takes this community involvement. You know, I was the same way um, before COVID hit, I'd often be the only person attending a board of health meeting or a vaccine advisory committee meeting or, you know, or um, giving testimony, you know, before a bill. Um, but, it grew and grew and you know the numbers are now there people are understanding how important it is um you know even even in a state like washington where you know they're going to pass this got to watch my language here we're on am radio they're going to pass this bill whether we want to or not i refuse to let them get away with it without hearing my thoughts right, right. now i'm in tennessee now so my i can't add my voice as much as I would like, because I, you know, I, I don't live there anymore. Did but, I register um, to vote in two states? No, don't. Oh. Okay, I have some really bad jokes about that, but I won't. Um, but I think it's so important, you know, and, and I just wanna encourage people who are feeling frustrated in Washington to know that when you're in the thick of things, and you are actually like going to Olympia and you're talking to legislators, you will hear signs and hear and see signs that your voice was heard. You rattled people a little bit. You might, you slowed things down or you may have even stopped something. So your voice is making a difference. So don't stop because you're frustrated at the outcome now. You are, it's like, it's the beginning of boots on the ground you're just hearing a little bit, a little bit, and then they grow and the rumble and the rumble. And pretty soon we're shaking down those bleachers, right? So just keep the rumbling going and um, really pay attention to who you're voting for. So I'm going to segue real quick to give a plug to Stand for Health Freedom, standforhealthfreedom.org. It's an organization that we work with, Informed Choice Washington works with very closely. Um, they push out amazing campaigns um and email blasts um and and we work with them on in a state level i work with them here in tennessee and bob and lisa work really closely with them in washington they have a vote for freedom guide 
And right now they're sending out surveys, they're doing interviews for anybody running for office coming forward. And um, Informed Choice Washington cannot endorse um, or oppose any candidate, but by gum, we can encourage you to vote for health freedom and to really do your homework. We're helping distribute the surveys. We're helping making sure that um, in, um, Stand for Health Freedom has the information they need so that they can tell you who they're endorsing and who they're supporting, okay? It is so crucial. Just look at the difference between like Tennessee and Washington, and you're gonna see the difference is individuals who, uh, despite what the choices they may make in their personal life, they believe in medical freedom, the people in office. So you gotta get people who believe in that in office. Okay, um, let's, let's move on now. Um, so Julie, what would you like to share? I mean, you've got so much on your website. Just go ahead and, and tell me where to click if you want or talk about what bills are really important to you. Oh gosh, there's so many. And you mentioned earlier about how there's, you know, like a thousand bills. I think last year there was something like 2,100 bills dropped and they passed 427. That's, that's mind boggling um, to have 427 new laws in, in one session. Uh, I just kind of wish they would just sit down and not do anything for a year or 10. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> but we are watching a lot um, right now. Uh, I know one that, that you guys also care deeply about is the changing the definition of the word vaccine, mm -hmm. which is House Bill 2157. Uh, I forget the Senate bill number off the top of my head, but both of those bills uh, look to be in the Rules Committee. Um, and so next Wednesday is cut off. So they want to move those those bills to out of their house of origin um, so that they can they can pass them. And I think um, I think it's safe to, to say that one or both of those will definitely uh, pass um, the the House bill has bipartisan support. Um, the sponsor of it is a Republican. So I don't know. Bob, yeah. what do you think? Do you, if you had to pick one of the bills, which one do you think would would move? Well, just like you said, if, if any of them are bipartisan, it's probably going to move through that chamber first. Um, I'm, I'm curious because these are identically languaged bills. Obviously, they're serious about it because they file companions, one in each chamber. And then if they're identical, they both get out of committee and... How, I mean, how do they, I know there's a stage where you have to combine and rectify before you would actually get out of the entire legislation. But if one, if they're identical, does it get a, a, a fast pass? Does it, I'm kind of an open-ended question there. And I don't know. I don't even think Bernadette knows. I, I, I don't. It's odd that they're not calling it the companion. It right? is the companion. No, this yeah, one, they have a companion, companion okay. admission of companion bill. Yeah, it's a different oh, okay. bill that they're hiding that companion status. We don't know why. But it's it's um, typically you'll see that one of the two will progress forward. In this case, they're both moving side by side. They're and they both look like they could either one could get a floor vote at any moment. So I don't I don't know what the strategy is. I don't know if the strategy is to pull the bipartisan bill over to the Senate. And then they can use the leverage of, well, you guys should vote for this. It's it's sponsored by a Republican. 
Yeah. So we'll remind uh, listeners in case they didn't hear it um, before and we've talked about it. This bill changes the definition of vaccine for the Washington Vaccine Association. This is a public-private partnership charity organization, which is bizarre when you actually look at its structure and how much money is involved, um, that purchases the vast majority of vaccines in Washington um, to get a bulk discount that the CDC gets from the vaccine manufacturers. And then they're reimbursed by, um, by state insurance, private insurance, that sort of thing. And of course, there's the Vaccines for Children program at the federal level that pays for you know, um, children whose parents are at a certain income level and they don't have access to insurance. So it's changing it from the old definition that everybody knew and understood. And in essence, if you read it closely, they're changing the definition of vaccine to immunization, which makes no sense. They're changing the vaccine is a product. It's a thing. It's a needle. It's an injection. It's something. Immunization is the result, you the hope for result of having um, had this product administered to you. So it's, it's it, I know I'm hung up on the grammar of it, but it just infuriates me that they're doing this. And it leaves the door so broadly open that anything that the uh, pharmaceutical industry wants to call a vaccine can fit through this barn door that they're opening here. So anything they want to put on the schedule for children, um, they'll be able to do. And they already have um, mRNA products on there. They've already got monoclonal antibodies on there. So just anything now is going to go. But they're sort of desperate in Washington to change the definition because they're spending money that right now that probably legally they should not be able to spend on products that don't meet the, meet the legal definition um, that they're right. supposed that to has stick me, to. That has me almost the, the most upset is that they've already done some purchasing against statute. Yep. Purchase things that don't fit under the law. And they're trying to cover their butts here with this. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just, I've, I've emailed all the people on the committees and asked them, where do I go? I've asked all my legislators locally, where do I go to file a complaint about this? And which agency can actually give some oversight mm-hmm. what the DOH or this Washington Vaccine Association has done? And, you know, mm, crickets. So, uh, I yeah. don't know if I want to push any harder, but obviously they're kind of leaving it up to say uh, uh, somebody to file a complaint, whether it's ethics, but you'll need some legal legal backing, I think, for that. But be that as it may, this vaccine definition change seems so innocuous, I think, to the rest of the legislators. They're probably going to let it sail through. They just don't understand. And there's no long-term study on these. And there was an article out recently in the Defender, Children's Health Defense Defender, um, a study in France is showing that they're they're having some deaths due to the administration um, of this vaccine. They're having a higher rate of deaths since this monoclonal antibody uh, rolled out. So it's very concerning. I'd like to move on to a bill um, that Uh, the conservative ladies of Washington are focusing on. Um, It's a request, the bill requests a hearing for local school board control. Talk about what this is about. So this is um, Senator Jim McCune's bill, um, Senate Bill 6204, and this would guarantee that the local, the locally elected school board would have the um, final responsibility for setting policies 
um, about the content um, of the educational, you know, of the curriculum that's in their school district. Uh, I doubt that it will get a hearing, but this is, you know, and, and it's, you think about like, well, that's already in the constitution. That's the way it works. And unfortunately in states like Washington, you need legislation like this to protect that because, mm-hmm. you know, the, the legislature is every session they have, they run several bills that take away from that local control and um, push through more state mandates. So this would actually be the legislature acknowledging and protecting that local control of the, the of the, you know, constitutionally elected school board directors. You probably have on here, Julie, another bill. I'm going to go back to your list. Isn't there another bill in Washington that would try to take away from the people the ability to vote their sheriff in? Yes, I believe it's 2027 or 2072. Let me see if I can find that there. (laughs) There's so many. Key legislation. Scroll down. Key legislation? Yeah. Um, Go the other way. Nope. Just scroll. Oh, just scroll down? Just scroll all the way down. Okay. Uh, Blog post. Go back up just a little. So those on the radio, I'm scrolling. Yeah, and for the listeners, here's a halfway check. Just to remind you, we're talking with Julie Barrett of the Conservative Ladies of Washington. Scroll down just a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Um, Thank you, Bob, for doing that. You know, I've been doing this show for, I don't know, almost four years now, and I I always forget to do that. I do appreciate your (laughs) reminding. We're on 1150 AM KKNW and streaming to CHD TV (laughs) with Julie Barrett. Thank you for that. Well, let's let's just move on to what we can um, see here. So I um, maybe it'll maybe it'll pop up. But there is I think it's down at the because I don't have it listed as one of the calls to action right now. Okay. As as far as I know, and let me see if I can pull it up here. As far as I know, it hasn't moved. Um, It had a public hearing, but I don't believe that. uh, Yes, it is House Bill 2027. Okay. Um, It had a hearing on January 8th. It had executive session on January 18th, but uh, no action was taken. Okay, good. So, so that's a um, good sign. Um, yeah, it's getting a lot of bad, bad media coverage. So that's mm-hmm. that's good. So you know, um, listeners, you know, are wondering now. Bob and I, let's talk about this. Like, is um, is a bill to take away citizens' right to elect their sheriff and give it to say whoever they're going to give it to the the local government to choose the sheriff, how does that impact medical freedom and informed consent? Well, it's massively <laughs> impacts because if you get the state government or even their local government pushing out some sort of mandate, which is unconstitutional, if you, the people have not, we, the people have not elected that sheriff that we trust to uphold the constitution, they're going to enforce those unconstitutional laws. Now in Washington state right now, you can elect your sheriff, except for in King County, because in King County, several years ago, they gave up the right. So there's one County where they gave up the right to elect their sheriff. And that sheriff was the only one who in the midst of, of COVID 
did not sign their, renew their pledge to uphold the Constitution of Washington State and, um, and the United States. I've also remember reading some like myths you know, that the, the state of Washington pushed out myths about COVID, myths you heard during COVID. And one of the things they consider to be a myth is that the sheriff is the law of the land in your county. Um, and that, you know, they had the right to say not enforce or to override something from the state level. That is not a myth. That is true. They they um, owe their allegiance to the Constitution <laughs> and if something unconstitutional, but they really do not want in the future. They saw uh, the, the people who want to control us saw that as a, a massive interference to their game plan of what they wanted to do. So we need to hang on the, to the right to vote for our sheriffs. Um, yeah, very, very important. Yeah, the sheriffs collectively, I think, was it 47 of 49, or sorry, 37 of 39 signed yeah. something during the pandemic that basically said that they're not going to enforce. Yeah. So, Julie, what, with the people yeah. can, can I add a point to to what you're saying here? Yes. Um, with, the, with the presidential election, and, you know, we see a lot of people really getting, you know, engaged in, you know, conversation about that, and it's, it's kind of front and center. And um, while the presidential election is important, what's most important is your local election, your sheriff, your city council, your county council, all of those local people that are governing your city and your county, that is going to impact your daily life far more than the president. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of see like I've not, you know, in, in CLW, we have not really um, dealt with anything dealing with the pre- presidential election because we don't want, we see that as a distraction and we want people focused locally. Um, are you, is your organization still grassroots or are you a nonprofit or? We are um, a 501c4 now. A yes. C4, excellent. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And Informed Trust Washington is a C3 and a C4, so we can do what we want. I love it. It's <laughs> <laughs> for candidates. Um, Except for candidates. Well, yeah, you can't do that, but that's okay. Because, you know, we want people to really take that responsibility of going out there and doing their homework, you know, um, wanting helping people learn to live informed lives means we don't want to make decisions for them either. Mm-hmm. I don't want people to just outright trust anything Bernadette says. I want them to maybe take what I said and then go forth and explore and find out what really resonates with you and vote from your conscience. You know, I'm just one voice. Um, so um, I'm going to move now to the Washington, the domestic violence extremism bill. Have we seen any action? We talked about it a lot last year. Is it still just sitting there? It's sitting there. We have not seen any action on that bill at all. Okay. Um, which is good. Yes. That's, we hope that our warnings to the legislature were heard that we do not want yeah. that moving forward. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's see what else you got here. Um, I'm, I'm like looking through here and finding where we Have overlap. you guys heard about the AI task force that they want? To I do? have. I w- I'm curious on your take on that. Um, I'm yeah. probably against, but go ahead. We're very against it. And my, my husband is very involved with AI development at one of the big tech um, 
one of the big, big tech companies. So um, I can't, I have to be honest in that it's like way above my pay grade um, <laughs> and all the, the technicalities about it. But he, um, I read, I had him read the bill um, and he thought it was a very, very bad idea. Um, uh, AI is, um, you know, it's, it's built by, by people like us. Right. And so a lot of the people that are, um, designing AI um, art tend to be sort of of the leftist, um, you know, mindset, mm-hmm. uh, or they don't want to get canceled, right? They're afraid to get canceled. And so, um, you know, you can watch uh, YouTube videos on different things where like someone did something where they asked AI to a chat bot to write um, a poem about Joe Biden. And it wrote up like this very, you know, fluffy kind piece about Joe Biden. And then it asked it to do the same thing about Donald Trump and it refused to do it. (laughs) Hey, I refused to do Mm it. (laughs) Oh, that is so telling. Like like knowing, you know, not being super well-versed in AI. I mean, I get it enough to, to, it's very, it's a very valuable tool. I mean, there's a lot of amazing things that it can do to make our lives easier but it does have, you know, it is, um, you know, it can be used again. They, they are using it against people, um, on the conservative side, right. They're combing through social media, um, with keywords that are identifying conservatives. The Washington secretary of state has been using it. Um, they've been using logically AI to comb Twitter and Facebook to find people who, um, might have something to say about the elections in Washington state. Um, I've seen friends of mine whose posts have shown up in these secretary of state reports that they get from logically AI. And it's, it's very scary how they're, they're really, you know, watching people closely. It's, it's really creepy. Were those Uh, obtained through the public records request or can you go to logically AI to find this? Um, It was um, a couple of different Twitter users um, did a public records request and then they published it out on Twitter for everybody to see. Um, and I think there, like, there were a couple that were blacked out, but I'm pretty sure um, one of them was a conservative ladies of Washington post on Facebook um, because I, it was from December when I was watching some of the committee um, work sessions uh, posting about they, you know, they want to do um, alternative verification methods instead of signatures because not everybody can do a signature. So they need to have different um verification methods um and of course not id because that's racist so they can't do that either um but on this ai task force it's overseen by the attorney general's office which you know right now is bob ferguson monka dingra is running um and then and pete serrano is also running but i I mean just kind of our best guess as to what's going to happen it doesn't look good going forward um, we hope for the best, but so you've got the attorney general's office, the secretary of state, the um, OSPI, all of these leftist groups are on the AI task force. And what is this? So is this bill just to create the task force? So they they name specific entities that they're going to put on this task force? Supposedly yeah, so they have a long what? list of the people that would be on the task force. And then the task force will make recommendations to the legislature about what policies should should come out of it. And I think like the work group goes for like three years, which 
I mean, we're already way behind with, you know, as far as setting policy about AI. Um, So just think of what, what AI is going to do in in three years time. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. like, yeah. Yeah. But what, what the AG's office is doing right now, what the government is doing now with AI to monitor citizens, isn't that illegal? And is anybody going to sue them over this, what was discovered through public records? It's been in the news a bit, but I don't know if there was legal action taken. How can this be legal? I haven't heard of legal action. I feel like there's so much um, un- unconstitutional stuff that happens in Washington state that like, how do you possibly keep up? Right. How do um, yeah. law abiding citizens, what is it, what's the recourse? Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah probably- I, I think, you know, I think Ferguson thinks he's above, above the law. Yeah. Well, that contract yeah. that he struck with the uh, logically AI, I think you called it artificial mm-hmm. intelligence group. And they're scraping posts of people in Washington. And when I saw that the sole source contract, it was not competitive that they found. And it basically is the domestic violent extremism commission in small form. And then you wonder how many other executive agencies like the AG or like somebody else in the governor's executive branch offices who else has struck these contracts? Who else is scraping info looking for whatever might help their mission? Um, just sounds like you're invading our privacy. Although you got to watch what you put in public forums. This is very, very alarming. I mean, this is a massive step into complete government control. Yes. And anytime you're fearful of speaking freely on a public platform, um, is this is such a danger to yeah. our republic. I'm just, wow, that, you know, that they're getting away with that. And two things I kind of want to mention about AI, AI, um, I, and stop me if you guys think if this is wrong understanding, but it's my understanding the way it's sort of programmed is it, it goes out there and it looks at everything it can find that's electronic sourced to pull in all the information very rapidly and then make a decision based on everything that it can see and find on whatever you asked it. And so you've got groups who have a very high vested interest in having AI give you the response it wants. So they're like flooding the internet, flooding every system with opinion and and their side of things so that it will come up and write a flowery poem about Joe Biden, but it will refuse to write anything about Donald Trump. That is very disturbing. And then I recently, I toyed with it once in a while to see how it does. One time I got an answer that was really useful with some great references. And another time I asked it, it was something about COVID-19 vaccine injury. And it, it wrote this whole paragraph and gave me all these citations and it completely tangled COVID-19 illness and COVID-19 vaccine injury and combined them. So it was, I mean, hey, high school students, don't use AI to write about COVID-19 because if it's going to be a tangled mess <laughs> anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but was that done on purpose? It almost seemed like it was trying to divert everything I asked about COVID-19 vaccine injury over to long COVID. 
um, like yeah, there, there are many other artificial intelligence bills as well this session. It wasn't just the AI task force. Okay. So I think maybe they're getting ahead of themselves that they just want the AI task force now to then set up policy or what other policies they'd want to put in place later. So curious to see how that pans out. But I did notice that one of the committees had like five AI bills in a row. Any idea what they're most concerned about? I mean, I can see them concerned AI use in school, kids cheating, not writing their own papers, um, you know, that sort of thing. But any con have you heard of any concerns that they have about how AI will be utilized um, at all? They don't seem to have, I, I don't, it seems more like they want to have control over AI. That's okay. more what I'm getting from it. Mm -hmm. Where are you, Julie, on ranked choice voting? Oh, we're very opposed to ranked choice voting. And there is a bill, uh, I forget the bill number at this point. 2250. I Thank hate you. 2250 is one of them. All this information one. in my head. I can rattle off bill numbers in my head and just a waste I've, of brain space. Yeah. yeah 2250. I found that you can't do that with the legislators, though. You need to attach the title to the number, and then right. it gets the legislators' minds going. Yeah. But anyway, um, what do you think about, I mean, what, what are the, the cons against ranked choice voting? Well, I think it makes it's going to make things very confusing. And, and it's interesting because, you know, they talk about how they need to make things simple for for, you know, the, you know, English language learners and and, you know, people who, you know, live in cars. They, they need to simplify things for those people, which is why we can't have signatures. But then they want to do ranked choice voting, um, which is is very confusing for people it's you know a lot of people call it rigged choice voting um, because <laughs> it is easy to rig um i think if they were to pass this bill um i think it would definitely um change what is the bill trying to do again sorry yeah and can you explain exactly what ranked choice voting is yeah so you have a ballot and you have your candidates on the ballot and you rank them by, you know, in you your know, first choice, your second choice, your third choice. Right. Okay. And then, you know, the top two would get moved on to um, the, the general election. Um, so there's a scoring weighting system in there that's used. Yes. Yes. Um, and I don't, you know, I have to be honest, I don't know how they calculate it all out. I know Alaska does that, which has been very messy um, for Alaska elections. Uh, I don't know, you know, I guess with a jungle primary, it wouldn't, you know, what Washington has currently, if you went to rank choice voting, it would just change, change that to just complete rank choice voting. Um, now, so here's something that's interesting. They have the bill for um, uh, uni uh, universal civic voting. Um, uh, I maybe said the wrong title, but to mandate that everything or something like that. Yeah. So everybody has to cast a ballot. And if you aren't going to cast a ballot, you have to submit a waiver. Um, and you can cast a blank ballot. It, ballot. It's okay if your, your ballot is blank. You just have to cast it. Doesn't that seem bitchy to you? Like, what's going to happen with my, <laughs> with my blank ballot? 
Yeah. 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 That's a good point. And then if there's ranked ballots and it's ranked choice voting, you know, does that like, did we just make a huge mess of, uh, you know, a worse mess of elections? So what I would love to see is, you know, okay, let's have ranked choice voting blanks count. So could we potentially have nobody in office? And then, (laughs) so we have, we're just going to have to like skip new laws for a few years. Actually, I'd love to see like 10 years worth. The only thing you can do is repeal laws. Yes. So we can kind yes. of whittle back. Now, now, we're, talking that. now we're talking. That yeah, would let's get rid of them. Let's kind get of get back to just laws. the basics. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. And so I, I, in Clark County, I'm an election observer as well. And so one thing we're, the only reason I'm doing that is because I'm very concerned about the integrity of our election system and the ability to put these mail-in ballots so I got involved in that. And again, do you? there's a lot of questions about the integrity of our voting systems. Why would you run a bill on ranked choice voting now? It's just it, more complexity. And again, speaking about the backlog of va- ballots as they come through our county election office, we're what the f- third or fourth largest county in the state, fourth or fifth. And, and it's a week, a full week after the election, they finally finished the ballot counting. Can you imagine? And that was with a 30% voter turnout. That, and that was a midterm, right? Sorry? That was a midterm. Wasn't that 20 The midterm was 40%. Sorry, around 40%. 35%, 40%. Horrible turnout, really, compared to 100%. If we have 100%, maybe it makes more sense to do precinct voting and in-person again. Uh, the, the, the bottleneck at the county offices to count the votes. And then to look at signatures, that's the backlog inside the office. Right you're still going to sign a blank ballot so you don't get fined or whatever the penalty is for not filling out the ballot under that bill. Curious theory. I don't think it will pass too much confusion on that universal compulsory voting. You know, you're going to get jealous here. There's a County in Tennessee um, that has got machines now that will do both electronic, but the electronic also has a paper trail. And when you vote, then you get your paper trail. Um, they've restricted, I don't know all the full details about like when you can vote. Now, I guess by law, you when you sign up to vote, they have to trust your word that you're a citizen when you register to vote. But there's no restriction when you go to vote. You can, whatever they have set for you to prove that you are a citizen of Tennessee. So I guess our driver's license on the back, there's some code on there that shows whether, you know, you've got a green card and this is your driver's license or if you're actually a citizen of Tennessee eligible to vote. And so this county is going to be checking every single ID at at the time of vote to make sure. And they've just got all these things in place to ensure that in that county, if at all possible, every vote will be counted accurately. And nobody will vote who isn't supposed to vote. So that needs to be replicated all over the nation. And I know that the state um, of Tennessee is getting rid of uh, certain troublesome voting machines. And they're bringing in the ones that, you know, it's you've got the paper trail to go. So you could have the speed of results of the electronic. But if anybody questions it, you've got that full audit capacity with the written and the person in each individual person have proof of how they voted. I'd like to see that. Makes sense to me. I'd like to see that. I'd like to see my voter ID number next to the votes I selected in some database mm-hmm. somewhere rather than yeah. ripped apart. I, it just doesn't make any sense that 
that everybody, no matter your income, doesn't have some sort of ID. Everybody does have something. You can't get benefits. You can't do anything without a state ID card. Can't do anything. Yeah, we got three minutes remaining here. Um, That went so fast, Julie. I'm just so grateful to have you on the show. I'm so glad that you are in the movement. Um, So what would you like people to know? Tell us again about your website and what's available at conservativeladiesoflaw.com. So we've got our action center. We have a blog. We try to post a lot of content Um, every week during session. We've got sort of our, our top 10 or however many bills, but Um, We post a lot of information about different policies. We are very policy focused all year round. Um, Certainly when the elections come up, we'll we'll spend a little time focusing on that as well. Um, But I I really want people to to know that, um, especially in Washington state where it feels like your your voice doesn't matter. um, Don't let them do this in the dark. Don't go down without kicking and screaming. Yes. Um, and that's what um, that's what I'm so passionate about. And um, one of the things I said in an email that I sent out earlier this week is when people try to silence your voice, which they do in Olympia, they want the citizens to sit down and shut up. Um, when they do that, you get louder. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what we have to do. And it's really encouraging because every day I see more citizens waking up and wanting to engage in, in civics and in their government. And I think that's that's great. And we've been you know, silent and uh, sitting back for too long. And it's time to to do our part as citizens and um, make our voices heard. Yeah. Okay. And the best way to sign up on your emails, uh, your action alerts are awesome. Thank you so Thank much. You. It looks like you're doing almost daily alerts right yeah. now. Um, how, what's the best way for people to get the hold of that? Um, if they go to our Substack, which is conservative lady, Substack um, dot conservative ladies of America.com, or you can just go to Substack and search conservative ladies of America. We do share information about other state policies and, and things that are in our wheelhouse too. But, mo- but right now we're mostly Washington focused during thank the session you. anyway. Well, Julie Barrett of conservative, conservative ladies of Washington. Thank you so much for all you're doing. Our prayers are with you and your family. Thank you. Thank um, you. thank you for being on the Liberty hour. We'll be back next week with a couple of great guests and thank you, Bob. Um, you've been listening to the Liberty hour on informed life radio on 1150 AM KKNW and, uh, all your streaming platforms. We'll see you next week. Are you suffering from a sinking feeling that the COVID-19 pandemic is being blown out of proportion and that nothing in the news is making any sense? If so, then there is a fact-based, science-driven news show designed just for you. My name is Del Bigtree, and I am the host of The High Wire, the world's most trusted news source in digital media when it comes to accurate, science-based reporting on the COVID-19 pandemic. From COVID-19 vaccine development to mask mandates, school shutdowns to job layoffs, The High Wire goes beyond providing you with the most accurate, evidence-based investigations. We send you links to the sources for all of our reporting so that you can further your own investigation and come to your own informed conclusions. High above the agenda-driven circus of mainstream media, we do not run. We do not hide from the truth. Instead, we walk the high wire. If you care about truth, then join us on Instagram, Twitter, Roku, and our website, thehighwire.com. 
Informed Choice Washington is a nonprofit organization that advocates for healthy immunity, medical freedom, and fully informed medical consent. The right to make medical choices without coercion is fundamental to our civil liberties and a basic principle in all human rights declarations. To learn more, tune in each Friday from 3 to 5 p.m. to an Informed Life Radio and visit the website informedchoicewa.org. It's time to take a stand for medical freedom. Go to informedchoicewa.org today.